Merry Christmas, bitches. <laughs> it is Christmas Day, and we have a full house. Um, I just want to say, like, we apologize for not getting it out this week. Mom has worked 13-plus-hour days yes. all week, and yep. it's due to the holidays. So if you don't understand that, then, well... Shit on you. Shit on you. <laughs> Shit on you. I'm too old to work 13 hour days. <laughs> it's five days a week. Five days a week, yeah. On top of it. <clears throat> um, plus your dog just had surgery not too long ago. And yeah. So she's very an attention horror. She's very <laughs> bad. Um so welcome back to another episode of Miners of Mayhem. If you what? With our new equipment. Woo! I'm getting yes. Okay, sorry. <laughs> if you're new here, this is a true crime podcast that focuses on minors who commit murder. We hope you stick around and enjoy it. For those of you that have been here from episode one, we truly appreciate your continued support and love. As you may know, we finally got our new audio equipment, so hopefully there is no screeching. Um, so we tried last week with our new audio, and our podcast platform doesn't allow us to upload an mp3 or a wave so um we had to work around that and we finally figured it out like literally what 20 minutes ago pretty much yes <laughs> so um we finally got it figured out um we did a test run it sounds good um yeah um i'm saying i'm a lot um, also, we have, I said it again. <laughs> also, we have decided that we will be releasing audio on Sundays as normal, and the video version will be posted on YouTube on Wednesdays. My husband is going to be doing all of the editing, and we want to give him a couple days to edit and um, get it figured out with some leniency. Yes. Um, because he does have a full time job, and this time of year, uh, his hours can get pretty, pretty iffy. Um, do you have anything you want to add? I have nothing, but do we have true crime news? Yes. Ooh, I can't wait to hear. Give it to me. Um, it hits a little close to home for us. Uh, Deputy Sheriff Paul Martin was killed on December 6th. 2003 by the son of a U.S. senator. A stolen vehicle was fleeing law enforcement when Deputy Sheriff Paul Martin was preparing to lay out strike sp spike strips. Yeah. <laughs> I was getting, yeah. Anyways, lay out spike strips. The fleeing vehicle veered off the road and slammed into the patrol car. The patrol car then hit Paul killing him. Oh, gosh. The driver was arrested and was identified as Ian Kramer, the son of Senator Kevin Kramer. Oh, boy. Apparently, Ian has had a long history of mental disorders and was brought to the hospital by his mom earlier that day. Upon arrival to the hospital, Ian decided to jump into the driver's side and fled, so this causing the high-speed chase. Uh -huh. Um leading to Paul's death. Paul had served over 18 years with Mercer County Sheriff's Office. So our hearts go out to his family, his friends, and his department. And 
just please take your mental health seriously. I know it's hard to ask for help. I've been there, but it is way easier than bottling it all up and it exploding. Um, I mean, the first step is always the hardest in my opinion, because even when my son was born, um, you know, I was trying to do college at the time and he was in the hospital multiple times. And finally I had to face the hard fact of that. I couldn't do it alone. And I had to ask for help Mm -hmm. because it was mentally draining. I wanted to pursue a nursing degree yeah and I just I couldn't do it because his needs were obviously more important but I couldn't do it alone no not at all Mm -mm. um do you have any news updates before we get into my case um I don't think so um my niece's mom said there was a a shooting in Minot last night I should have asked for more details on that. I have not heard about it yet. Me neither. On Christmas Eve? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It Come just on. People. I know. It's Come horrible. on. It's bad. Um, if you hear jingling, me and mom are wearing... We're festive. Well, if you look at the video on YouTube, you'll be able to see. <laughs> we're blinking and got jingle bells. We're blinking. Bells. We're jingling. We're jangling. We're just vibing. Santa Claus hats. You know, jammies. I, I used to hate this time of year when I was a single mom and like working and being in the hospital with my son. I always hated this time of year because I couldn't like provide. Now it is my favorite time of year now that I'm stable and have a job and I have a loving husband that helps and like I just feel like I can provide more and it's makes a big difference it it makes a huge difference so I struggle with the holidays I I know yeah it's especially missing family members and yep my all of that my mom and dad are gone and my favorite aunt and Mm -hmm. everybody's gone when, I think we should have. I think we should have Christmas in Minnesota next year. That would be nice. That would. We'd have Uncle to get, Brad. <laughs> we'd have to get the other brother and his girlfriend from Washington out. I well, if we start planning a year in advance, I feel like we could pull it off. Yeah, that would be so great. And Brad's Brad has a nice big house. It could accommodate all of us. Yeah. So by the time Uncle Brad hears this episode, we will already have talked to him. Fingers crossed. Probably not. Brad, Christmas is at your house next year. <laughs> Waiting for my, it'll be my great, great, yeah, great niece or nephew. So to she's be my cousin. Born. So cousin, that would be, that would be your nephew's. So it would be great. Yep. Waiting. I keep well, texting. While you're there, you can grab me one more too. <laughs> He's not oh. even listening to you. He's not even listening. Dean, your old lady wants one. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I keep texting Brad like I know. every day. When does she do? They are going to induce her tomorrow. <gasps> no way. Yes. If she didn't do it on her own. If she didn't do it on her own by 
tomorrow they're inducing her tomorrow because I've been texting oh, so I've been excited. texting Brad every day. Baby? Question mark? Question mark? I know. Baby? Question mark? Question mark? I just thought they weren't like I didn't know exactly when her uh, due date was. Um, I think but she's I thought, pushing the overboard. Ish. I, I kind of wondered. I thought I it was wondered. more mid December, but I could be wrong. I I don't think they let him go over two weeks. Well, I thought that baby was supposed to be here for Christmas because she talked oh. about having Christmas and then everybody just coming to see the baby during Christmas. Oh. But baby is not here. Baby, if you're listening. Right. Because <laughs> your mom listens to our podcast. Come out. Get out of there. We know it's warm and cozy, but enough is enough. Yeah. I went overboard with both mine. I went two weeks overboard with Brandon. Yeah, and that was a huge mistake now, wasn't it? <laughs> it wasn't my fault. It was the doctor's fault. My brother was 10 pounds when he was born. Yeah. Yeah. That's called the Whopper Club. <laughs> That's more than the Whopper Club. Yeah, because oh. both my children were in the Whopper Club. Oof. Over eight pounds is considered the Whopper for Club. <laughs> 10 pounder for a first baby. That was, that was rough. Yeah. No Ooh. meds either. No, I don't do that. Mm-mm. Nope. Um, well, enough of the... Wait. What? What are we doing? Oh. <laughs> uh, on today's episode of Miners of Mayhem, can we just start calling it mom? On today's episode of mom? <laughs> on today's episode of mom? No, because hey, Eli, hey. Eli will be saying... Made of money. Made of money. (laughs) That little shit. Yeah, I know, right? Um, I will be covering the story of Lionel Tate. Have you heard of him? I don't think so. No? There will be questions for you throughout and at the very end. So pay attention and be aware. Am I going to interrupt and ask you whatever I want? Yeah. Okay, good. Lionel Alexander Tate was born January 30th, 1987, to Kathleen Grosset or Grosset Tate and John Tate. His parents ended up getting a divorce. Kathleen resided in Florida and John resided in Mississippi. Growing up, Lionel was obsessed with WWE and loved to copy their moves and pretend he was one of the wrestlers on TV. A lot of kids do. Remember this for later. Okay. In school, Lionel had extreme behavioral problems and a temperament. He had trouble making friends, he would act out just to get attention, and he would steal his classmates' stuff. And I wonder if him acting out to get attention was um, a side effect from his parents getting divorced. That could be. Um, Because it seemed like his dad didn't have much of a role in his life until... I'll get into I think they moved back and forth a lot. Okay. Um, even the teachers suggested he be moved to a special needs school. His fourth grade teacher said, quote, Lionel Tate was a loner who was very loud and boisterous and a child who was often out of control, unquote. Mm. His fifth grade teacher said, quote, none of the students in her class wanted to sit next to Lionel and the majority of them did not get along with him, unquote. Was he a bully? Well, if, you know, if he has a bad temperament and he has behavioral issues. So I suppose he was disruptive. Probably. probably. And loud. Yeah. 
Okay. So <clears throat> distracting to most kids. Okay. Who's who who are there to learn? Right. Um, when Lionel's mother Kathleen joined the Florida Highway Patrol Academy, Lionel was sent to live with his father John in Mississippi. Okay. Lionel's behavior continued to the point where his stepmother even asked for advice from his teachers on how to handle him. It seemed that Lionel moved back and forth between both parents, like I said earlier, and that alone can cause behavioral problems. So that just like adds to... Escalated. Escalated a lot. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk about the victim. Tiffany Eunuch was born on August 26, 1992, to Deweese Eunuch. Deweese met Kathleen and Lionel when her and Tiffany moved to Broward County, Florida. Deweese and Kathleen, who both have been divorced, became pretty close friends to the point of helping each other take care of each other's children. Okay. Um, According to Deweese, though, upon first meeting Lionel, she didn't notice anything strange about him other than him being a very large boy for his age. At the age of 12, he was six foot tall and 166 pounds. 12? 12. Six foot and 166 pounds? Yes. Holy shit. That's a big boy. She wow. said she said that he was never argumentative or violent towards her and he played with Tiffany very well. Okay. I'll talk more about Tiffany later. Um so on July 28th, 1999, Lionel's mother Kathleen was babysitting Tiffany. Like I said, they took they helped each other out. Mm-hmm. So um Tiffany's mom Deweese was on night shift, I believe. She made the kids dinner. Kathleen made the kids dinner. Then she decided to go upstairs to take a nap around 10 p.m., leaving 13-year-old Lionel all alone with 6-year-old Tiffany. Okay, can we just stop right there? You said 10 p.m.? Yes. Why is she taking a nap at 10 p.m., and why aren't those two kids in bed at 10 p.m.? That was, Tiffany is six years old? Yes. My almost 10-year-old goes to bed at 8 o'clock. Yes. I don't care. Both my kids do. Yeah. So why is a six-year-old up at 10, and why is she taking a nap at 10? I don't know. I don't know if... um, I mean, even if it's summer break, they should still be in bed at 10. Well, yeah, because this was July. They should still so be in bed at 10 school, o'clock. But routine, I feel like, has a lot of um, importance and play in children growing up. So apparently Just, there maybe was not a routine here? It doesn't really seem like it. I could be wrong. Okay. The kids were playing and being loud like kids usually do, but this was different. Kathleen yelled downstairs for them to be quiet. She didn't get up and go check on them? Nope. She just yelled down the stairs. Around 10.40 p.m., Lionel went upstairs to tell his mom that Tiffany wasn't breathing. 
Sometime after 11 p.m., Kathleen called Deweese to ask if Tiffany had any asthma problems because she wasn't breathing. Wait, give me that timeline again. So at 10.40 p.m., Lionel went upstairs to tell his mom that Tiffany wasn't breathing. Okay. Sometime after 11 p.m., Kathleen called Deweese to ask Tiffany if she had any asthma problems. So that's a 20-minute delay right there. Correct. Was 911 called in between that 20 minutes? Not that I could have, not that I have found. So if she wasn't breathing for 20 minutes, she's brain dead because nobody's doing well, anything. And I'll Okay, say, I'm sorry. You're good. Do we said, quote, I think I dropped the phone and started screaming. My baby is gone, unquote. When she arrived at the hospital, she found out that Tiffany was pronounced dead. Initially, Lionel admitted to putting Tiffany in a headlock and banged her head against the table. It wasn't until two days later when the autopsy was sent to the Broward County Sheriff's Office that Lionel became the number one suspect in Tiffany's death. I see so many things wrong with I know. this picture that I don't I even know. know where to start. Okay. The autopsy report showed, and just a trigger warning, this is kind of brutal. The autopsy report showed that Tiffany suffered from more than 35 injuries, including a fractured skull, brain contusions, a ruptured spleen, a partially detached liver. What? Bruises and lacerations and a damaged rib cage. A detached liver, that's car accident. That's, that's, that's seatbelt car accident, lacerated liver stuff. In one resource, it said that her liver was shredded and pushing through her rib cage, which would make, make sense. This little six-year-old baby went through so much pain that her injuries were so bad and extensive that they compared them to getting hit by a speeding car or falling from a three-story building. Uh, okay. That's how bad they were. Lionel admitted to watching Tiffany wet her pants and rolling on the floor in pain. He also admitted to jumping off of the staircase onto Tiffany, crushing her, and punched her 35 to 40 times with his fists. Excuse me? Yeah. He admitted to jumping off the staircase onto Tiffany, crushing her. And she's six years old, so she probably weighs, what, 45, 50 pounds, if that? Yes. And he's 166 pounds, and mm -hmm. he jumped off the staircase? Mm -hmm. Okay. So in, in my opinion, if you have to lie about having her in the headlock and banger, banging her head against the table, when you knew what actually had happened, you knew exactly what you were doing. Mm -hmm. Plain and simple. If you have to lie about what you did, you know it was wrong. Yep. Or you knew it was wrong. Yep. And get this. Before going upstairs to tell his mom that Tiffany wasn't breathing, he just watched TV like nothing was wrong. So she's not breathing after he did this. He continued to watch TV, and then finally 
he goes upstairs to tell his mom. Did mom not, did she not scream out in pain? I, I'm, she must have been sleeping. Because she told them to be quiet and then the kids did quiet. So I don't know. Do you think it was intentional? We'll get into that later. Okay. When Tiffany's mom learned that Lionel was the one that killed her daughter, she said her reaction was, quote, shock. It was devastating, really, really devastating, unquote. When the case was sent to the Broward County State Attorney's Office, the decision was made to charge Lionel as an adult with first-degree murder. Here I am going to quote Wikipedia on the felony murder rule because I couldn't sum it up in like my own words and mm -hmm. to make sense because I don't even know what exactly this means. So from Wikipedia, quote, Florida statutes required the jury to convict Lionel of first degree murder, even if the jury did not believe that he intended to kill or injure anyone. All that was requi required was that Lionel knowingly abused another child who was who died as a result as any intentional act that could reasonably be expected to result in physical injury to a child is child abuse per Florida statute. Mm. The rule for such con convictions is known as the felony murder rule. The sufficient conditions of the felony murder rule were listed by the judge Joel T. Lazarus during sentencing. Therefore, Tate was sentenced to life in prison without the prosecution, prosecution having to prove that he intended to kill or injure or realize that his acts are likely to kill or injure or even, or even that a typical child of his age would or should realize this. Okay, so unquote. basically it doesn't matter whether he knew what he was doing or intentionally did what he's doing, he's getting felony murder charge, period. Okay, gotcha. Is that what that said? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many in my, like when I was researching this, however long ago, I read that thing over and over and over and I just couldn't, my mind couldn't comprehend. The prosecutor doesn't have to show intent. It's a felony murder charge, period. Mm. Whether he intended to do it, you know, or, or didn't. Gotcha. It's still, the outcome is death. Mm. So, okay. The defense team argued that Lionel was just mimicking the wrestlers he had seen on TV and was not trying to intentionally hurt Tiffany, oh, bullshit. stating he didn't know the difference between simulated violence and the consequences of real violence. Bullshit. Like I said earlier, if you, if you had to lie about what truly happened, you knew what you were doing, you knew what you were doing mm -hmm. and you knew he was hurting he her. He knew that little girl was so much tinier than him. Come on. Yeah. And he had violent behavior anyway, right? Mm hmm Like in school and nobody could handle him. So it's not beyond the realm of possibility that he knew what he was doing right. and intended to do what he was doing. He was found guilty and sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Tiffany's mom, Deweese, even said that his sentence was too harsh and that it was not fair to hand a child a life sentence, 
even though she thought justice was served. Mm. But I, like I said, I'll go more into that later. Okay. Lionel served three years in a juvenile detention center when his conviction was overturned in 2003. He took a plea deal pleading guilty to second-degree murder. On January 26, 2004, Lionel was released from prison with 10 years probation, one year of house arrest with an ankle bracelet. So, you know, after that time served and everything that he had went through, you would think he would learn from his mistakes and try to do better with his life. I would hope so. Make a life for himself. I would hope so. Wrong. What? Wrong. Oh, you've got to be shitting me. In September 2004, so not very long after he was released, Lionel was arrested for having a knife and the judge extended his probation to 15 years instead of 10. On May 23rd, 2005, so again, not that long, Lionel was charged with armed burglary with battery, armed robbery, and a violation of probation. Apparently, he was at a friend's house, and they ordered a pizza to be be delivered. When the delivery guy, Walter Gallardo, came, Lionel threatened him at gunpoint. Are you kidding me? Nope. Walter dropped the pizzas and ran. When Lionel went back inside, his friend didn't want him there, which pissed Lionel off. So he assaulted him. Walter made a police report and went back to identify Lionel. The gun, though, was never found and recovered. So just keep that in mind. So on March 1st, 2006, Lionel is 19 years old at this time. And he's went through all of this. He accepted a plea deal and was sentenced to 30 years for violating probation for the possession of the gun. He refused to answer any questions regarding the gun. Okay. On October 24th, 2007, Florida's 4th District Court of Appeal upheld the sentence. On February 19th, 2008, Lionel pled no, ca- no contest, which... I learned this in my concealed carries weapons class because I didn't really know what no contest meant. Mm-hmm. Um, it means you're not pleading guilty, but no, they have substantial evidence to convict you. Okay. I learned that. So for those of you that didn't know that, there you go. He pled no contest to robbery and was sentenced to 10 years in state prison which will be served concurrent with this 30-year sentence I mentioned earlier. So you know how I said he refused to answer any questions regarding the gun? Mm-hmm. Do you remember what his mom's job was? Oh, my gosh. Highway Patrol. Mm-hmm. It was his mom's gun. It was her service weapon, wasn't it? Well, oh, shit. Turns out she's in trouble. Well, turns out his mother, who remember is a state trooper, reported her service gun missing. She was put under investigation and was found negligent in handling of her state issued weapon. 
She was reprimanded for failure to properly secure her weapon. So, yeah, that, you, that's where he got it. But I'm, I'm assuming he pled, like, he didn't want to bring it up. He didn't, he didn't want, want to get his mom in trouble. Whether she knew he took it or not, I don't know. It doesn't matter. If it, it, it should have been secured. That's, that's part what of happens, her job. What happens to your weapon is your responsibility. Yes. You know, you hear all of these um, <laughs> cases or stories about how this six-year-old accidentally shot his mom. Mm -hmm. No, there's no such thing as an accident. No. You are responsible for that weapon. Mm -hmm. Put it away under lock and key yep. where children don't have access. That's where all ours I are. I mean, obviously, you know, six-year-olds, in most cases, they don't know what it does to a person right. when it's fired. That's why teaching them at a young age is... Yes. That's what our household did. did. Ours too. Ours started with BB guns. Mm -hmm. Now they're shooting 22s properly. Properly. Safety. Mm -hmm. And never without mom and dad. So it's never an accident. No. So, yeah. The responsibility lays on the adult. Mm -hmm. If it's the adult's gun and they didn't secure it, they Every need to be, yes. Single time. Just like that six-year-old in that one case you did. Took yeah, that. from crack house. Yes, from the crack house. That guy got sentenced. Not enough, as far as I'm concerned. But no. Now I wanted to save the details of Tiffany last to try and end somewhat on a good note, even okay. though she was taking taken way too soon. And have you looked up pictures of her yet? Not yet. Oh, she's adorable. Oh, so she's so cute. I'll see him when I put him up on Facebook. Yes. This is from a transcript I found on CNN about what Dewey said of her daughter, okay. Tiffany. Um, there is quite a bit to this transcript. I think it, I don't think it was a um, victim impact statement. I think it was just an interview with CNN. Oh, okay. Um, but there is quite a bit to it, so I'm only going to include what I feel is relevant to what I have discussed already. Okay. So, quote, She was a beautiful little girl with a smile that would shine, and innocent like a little angel. She was my daughter, my only child, and together we traveled through the story that was life. My daughter was bright. My daughter had a wonderful personality. My daughter was very kind, respectful, and full of life. She had the rest of her first grade to look forward to and all of elementary school ahead of her. She was growing slowly up into a beautiful woman who would make a difference in our country, in our county, our state, our nation, and in our world. We were a team. We were a family. We were happy and healthy. Tiffany's future was bright, and my dreams for her were even brighter. I had so many dreams for my daughter, but these dreams were all taken away. When I trusted someone I thought was a caring police, op police officer, I trusted a woman that I thought was a caring mother. I trusted a woman I thought 
would properly supervise my baby. Kathleen says she went upstairs to sleep. She left my little first grader with Lionel at the time, 166 pounds, 100, well, she, she quoted 170 pounds alone and unsupervised. She went upstairs, closed her door, and allegedly went to sleep. Kathleen knew Lionel had approximately 12 school suspensions or corporal punishments for discipline problems over the past four years. Kathleen knew he had trouble fighting, destruction of property, a constant problem, always initiating disturbance. Kathleen knew that Lionel's father had told her one time he couldn't deal with Lionel. Kathleen still left my baby downstairs with him. Kathleen admitted on a psychological testing that Lionel's behavior only makes others angry. She admitted that Lionel tends to see how much he can get away with. Kathleen admitted that Lionel had been difficult to manage. She admitted she was worried about Lionel's lack of concern for others' feelings. She admitted Lionel is good at lying his way out of trouble. Kathleen admitted on a child behavior checklist that Lionel destroys things belonging to his family and other children. She knew all of this, yet she turned her back on my baby, my daughter, went upstairs to allegedly sleep behind closed doors. She left behind her, her son, and she knew he destroyed things. My daughter was not a thing, but Lionel, you destroyed my baby. Mm. Lionel beat her so badly that no mother on this earth should ever have to live with the knowledge of those 35 injuries. No mother should have to live with the knowledge that her daughter cried out in pain, and Kathleen Grosset Tate would not come downstairs to help my baby. No mother should have to feel the pain every time she wears a police uniform and keeps up excuses for Lionel by crying that this was an accident. The prosecutor, the grand jury, and even the 12-member jury, jury of our community all said it was a murder and not an accident. You, the judge, found that this was a murder and said it was cold, callous, and indescribably cruel. The appeals court even said the evidence was clear and my daughter was brutally slain. This was not child's play. This was not roughhousing. This was a brutal murder. I never wanted Lionel Tate to have a life sentence. I found a tough but compassionate prosecutor, Ken Bandowitz, who agreed with me to offer Lionel that plea deal three years ago before, three years ago because of his age when he did this. This could have been over three years ago. I agreed to the plea offer three years ago, and I agreed I agreed to the plea of guilty to second-degree mur murder. I firmly, I firmly, I firmly believe in God, and I believe in forgiveness. I so much believe in God and forgiveness that I have forgiven you, Lionel. Mm -hmm. I have forgiven Lionel, and I have forgiven Lionel for brutally murdering my daughter. My wish is that Lionel would grow up and never hurt another human being. No mother, no other mother should have to live through the torture that I have lived through since July 1999. Lionel was young at the time when this happened, and I prayed for Lionel's rehab rehabilitation. I am here today to remind everyone that this case is not about Lionel Tate. This case was about a beautiful little six-year-old girl 
first grade angel named Tiffany. Mm. And like I said, you can read the whole, unquote, I should say, um, you can read the whole transcript on CNN.com. So in that whole transcript that I just read, it seemed like DeWeese wasn't necessarily angry at Lionel, but was angrier more with Kathleen mm-hmm. and her poor decisions. She did. Yeah. She did make poor decisions. She's supposed to be the responsible one in the house. Mm-hmm. She didn't secure her gun. She didn't... She took a nap, for God's sakes, at 10 o'clock at night. And she was, like, standing up for Lionel, which I get, like, I would always have my children's backs, but if they did wrong... They need to own up. I'm not going to defend that. Mm -mm. I'll defend their prior behaviors in school with friends, family, all of that stuff, but if they truly did something wrong... I'm, I, I won't. Mm-mm, you can't. You can't. I'll be there for them. In the best way you can, yes. But I wouldn't. I just wouldn't Wouldn't lie. try to make it, make up excuses to make it okay. To why they did it, yeah. Mm-hmm. No. So, like I said earlier, the defense was saying he was trying to mimic the wrestlers he had seen on TV with the WWE and stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you truly think watching that made him do what he did? I don't think so. I don't think so either. You kids used to play WWE. Oh. Yeah. Neither one of you are dead. <laughs> no. My, oh, he would beat the shit out of me. <laughs> but then I would get so mad and finally would have enough, and I'd fight back. But a six-year-old and a... 13-year-old is way different. That's way different. Me and my brother were a year and a half apart. Yep. And you were just as scrappy as him. Yeah. I mean, it was fun and games. Once I turned red, then it was like, watch out. (laughs) Run. Run, son. You better run. I remember that one time. Oh. He He had me pinned, and he wouldn't get off, and I was getting so mad. I looked over at you. And you just shook your head and looked away, and I was like, all right, this motherfucker's going down. And I beat the shit out of him. You did. And I had warned him. I had warned him several times. I said, one of these days, you're going to push your sister so far, (laughs) and she is going to unleash hell on you. And I knew that was the moment. That's why I just, when you looked at me, I just. Whatever. Whatever. I warned him. (laughs) Walked. Because he had it coming. Because I knew you'd had enough. It was time for you to beat the shit out of your brother. It was just time. Oh. I mean, I didn't... Obviously, if you guys were really hurting each other bad, bad, I would have stepped in. Yeah, you were right there you guys watching were just thump- us. You each sleeping. other. No. He had it coming. If he, if he can dish it out, he got to be, no, you know, you got to be able to take it. Right. And I had warned him several, several times, you're going to piss her off so bad that she is going to unleash hell on you. Mm-hmm. And that was, I think all I said to him when it was done and over is, I told you so, son. Because <laughs> he, he really tried running to you and crying about it, too. Yep. Oh. No, I told you, son. You keep pushing her buttons, she's going to let you have it. Yep.
You didn't kill each other. No. And like I said, like a six-year-old, like you don't, you pick them up and throw them on the couch. Now, That's considered wrestling. I have a stupid question. Did this kid, did he have any, was he mentally delayed or anything like that? Not that I found. I think, so you I can't think even, truly he, the root of his problems probably came from the divorce. So environmental. And his, and his dad didn't have much of a role. Okay. Which, you know, I, I can't. Um, I can't speak for. I'm gonna sneeze. Hold on. Bless you. Sorry, <laughs> my allergies have been acting up all day. Um, but what I was saying, like, I can't uh, s speak for a male's perspective and having a father figure in their life. I can only speak that from my point of view mm -hmm. as a woman. Mm -hmm. um, it caused issues, mental, um, emotional. Mm -hmm. It was hard. It, I, I mean, there's, there's days where I still struggle with it to this day, but I never let it get that far. You didn't want to kill anybody. No. You just wanted to slash tires. And we may have done that. Well, whoa. What the hell was that? Something in the fire pit. Um, I mean, you, you did take your anger out in different ways. I did. I took my anger out. You did. In you did slash a tire or two. In different ways. Mm-hmm. Some I'm not proud of. Well, most of them I'm not proud of because... But at that time, that is the only way that you knew how to get it out. You didn't know any different of how to... You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the only way that you knew how to show how angry you were. Mm -hmm. Because talking was getting you nowhere. Yeah. And maybe Lionel, you know, resorted to uh, this WWE stuff as a form of coping but it, it comes back in for me it comes back to the fact that he lied about it when asked about it yeah the fact that you have to lie about it means you know you're in the wrong yeah if he didn't think he did anything wrong he wouldn't have lied he correct. would have just said this is exactly what happened correct he was trying to cover it up and with like you know, past stuff, I never lied about it. Mm -mm. I always was like, yeah, I, I fucking did that. You want to know why? That's exactly, yeah. I mean, yeah. So for anybody or for everybody that's listening, please tell us your thoughts on this case by emailing us at minorsofmayhem at gmail.com or send us a Facebook message by searching for Miners of Mayhem in the search bar. Until next time, be safe out there, be aware of your surroundings, and much love, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, guys! Bye! Bye!